Welcome to the Trevor Turnbull Show, where you'll hear vulnerable, honest stories that will inspire you to embrace your mess and live your best life. Hey, everyone, and welcome to this episode where I have a very special guest. His name is Dr. Nima Romani. Now, Dr. Nima is somebody that came into my world at a time when everything was seemingly crashing around me. It was February 2019. I still remember the first conversation that I had with him. He was referred over to me by a close friend of mine named Michael Askey. At the time, my wife and I were going through a lot of challenges. Of course, we had a one-year-old, and we had another one on the way. And little did we know that our second son was about to be born about a month after we met Nima. And we actually enrolled in one of his programs called the Overview Experience. It was a weekend experience. And to say it was transformational would be a massive understatement. Nima ended up becoming a very key part of our lives at that time. And to this day is still a very close friend and somebody that we uh, really admire and look up to for the vision and the mission of how he shows up in the world and the way that he's serving people. And what Nima really does is he helps people understand the underlying causes of why we believe what we believe, why we have these trigger moments in our lives and how they just take things over in a negative way. So if you're thinking about this from the perspective of, you know, what am I going to learn from this podcast interview? It's really meant for anybody that might be going through a challenging time right now or having a challenge in your relationship or financial challenges or whatever the case might be, all the things that life throws at us. Nima is somebody that you definitely want to know. And his story that he shares in this interview about his journey to get to the place where he really is driven to serve people, to help them become trigger-proof, as he likes to call it, I think you're going to find tremendous value in this episode. So let's go ahead and give it a listen. All right, Dr. Nima Romani, thank you so much for joining me on my show. It's a pleasure to speak with you again, my friend. It's been too long. I know. It feels like talking to an old friend. You're an old friend. And uh, it's like catching up and listening to how much you've expanded and grown and stuff and looking forward to this conversation. Yeah, me too, man. And, you know, you've been a big part of my story, obviously, and and part of the inspiration for me even taking the leap and doing the next level of, of me sharing my story and helping other people share theirs. So I'm excited to introduce you to everybody that might not know you already. So to give you a little context to, you know, the, the reason why I created this was really to be able to share vulnerable, honest stories and with the intent on inspiring other people and to allow them to turn their mess into their message. And, you know, I have to give you some credit. You were the first person that I heard say that. I don't know if you coined the word or the phrase, but, you know, it came into my world from you initially. And we'll talk a little bit about our our connection and background and whatnot, but that's really kind of the context of this too. And there's actually another thing I'd love for you to share with everybody too. I was trying to remember exactly the phrase that you used when we, when me and Shar went through your overview experience, talking about the pith and the and the uh, the reed that you know flows oh, through you. Oh, yeah, and yeah, yeah. Do you wow. want to maybe share that really quickly? Yeah. Well, this is interesting because yeah, we're talking about the mess becoming your message. You know, when you first reached out to me uh, with Shar and having the, the challenges you were having in your relationship. Um, 
we knew that you were going to be the type of person who was going to work through his mess and then your mess will become your message. And I loved how you took that on. And uh, this is essentially our path towards healing. Our path towards healing, each of us, every single human being is on a hero's journey who's gone through a mess and unconsciously gone through this mess through the first half of life so that it can, if you learn how to integrate that mess and clean it up, it then becomes the message on the other half of, of the scale. And a big uh, part of my journey of healing uh, has been through growing up as a Baha'i youth in the Baha'i faith. And so when I was a uh, Sunday school teacher, uh, this was a really great image imagery. Uh, it's a Baha'i prayer, actually, that you're requesting. Uh, it says, Lord, make me a hollow reed from, the, from which the pith of self hath been blown so that I may become a clear channel through which your love may flow to others. In other words, help me so that my ego doesn't get in the way of me being that channel for divine intelligence, universal intelligence, love to, to pass through. And I think that's the greatest station we can attain to is a hollow reed where we are uh, have dissolved ego and we can use our life as a message for others, as a messenger for others. Yeah, I love it, man. And I'm so glad you shared that with me again. Because like I say, I was talking about it with Shar this morning. I was like, I feel like this is a piece of, of why I decided to take this leap and start doing this show and doing these interviews and stuff. And then I was like, what the heck was that again? It was a pith and a something. <laughs> like I had a few words, but I didn't understand the full context of it. So I love that. And I'll also say too that, you know, last night, so Shar actually recommended to me that I watch the Brene Brown Netflix special. Courage, the Call to Courage. Call to Courage, yeah. yeah. Choosing courage over comfort. I love it. Right. Yeah. And that's, you know, you can't have courage without vulnerability and, you know, to just kind of wrap things into like how Nima and I first met. Well, first of all, we met, you were on in a car in Australia. <laughs> you had like literally just landed after like a 16 hour flight and we hopped on a call, a mutual friend had connected us. But, you know, at that time, Sharmila and I had, you know, we were parents already about a year and a bit into being parents and we were about to be parents again and had no idea what was about to come with our second son coming so early, but, you know, we were really in a lot of conflict and just not sure how to navigate this world, you know, like our own emotions and feelings and how to relate to each other. And at that time, Char was, you know, straight up pretty closed off, you know, she was not wanting to really embrace the mess that had been her journey along the way. And, you know, I mentioned Brene Brown to her, I think, four months ago or something. And, and you and I know this because you've actually coached me on this. You're like, look, you can't tell her what to do. This, this woman's a powerhouse. Like, she, she needs to go down that journey herself. And she watched it, actually. And when I said, yeah, I'm interviewing Nima tomorrow, she said, oh, you should watch The Call to Courage tonight before you do, because I think there's going to be something in there that will really resonate. And and it really is that that vulnerability and the power of vulnerability and how we can't have courage without vulnerability. Um, so it, true courage, it's just, true courage, true courage, true right? Courage, true courage. Uh, it takes true courage to let down that wall, which is an ego protective mechanism to protect that wounded part of ourselves. So we have this wall around us that blocks us from our vulnerability. It's like a, it's like a shield over our vulnerable chests. Uh, 
And so this shield actually gets in the way of our relationships because this shield that blocks the pain blocks you from hurting me, blocks me from getting hurt by you, also blocks me from experiencing love. And we cannot be mentally well, we cannot be physically well if we're blocking love. And that's why it's so difficult. And this is the real pandemic going on right now, Trevor, is that is that in business, in 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 like CEOs, businesses, entrepreneurs, we become entrepreneurs because we have this bone to pick. We don't like authority. We we want to be our own authority. We 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 don't like to be under control by anything. We want to have control because of the trauma. Usually uh, most entrepreneurs I speak to are dealing with some sort of an unresolved trauma that says fuck authority. I'm going to be my own authority and which is good and they become successful that way but then the entrepreneur who's successful now is contending with the fact that their relationships at home are now falling apart. Their kids don't want to be around them. They don't, they're like, what? I worked so hard. And these are the, the armor that we put up that blocks our vulnerability, blocks vulnerability so that we don't get hurt. But then the people closest to us don't feel our love because we don't know how to feel. Yeah. Well, you just described me three years ago when you met me, <laughs> right? Like it, it was literally, it was such a crazy time in my life with, um, you know, just searching for some supports on the relationship side of things. First of all, that was how we first connected. But then, you know, about six weeks, literally six weeks after we met, our second son, Bodhi, was born and he came four months early. And I had just, you know, taken out a loan of $100,000 and invested it into something that was completely foreign to me, but a direction I just instinctually knew I wanted to go. And like, talk about a shitstorm, you know? High anxiety. Oh, man. Yeah. And, you know, I really relate to what you're saying there, the idea of like, I've worked so hard for this because it was better than a decade, you know? Like, it was more than a decade that I had really been on the grind and trying to force my way into success and realizing that the the harder I tried and the more I started to frame success as like financial or like acknowledgement from other people, the less successful I felt, <laughs> you know, and this is that whole concept of, you know, being able to look at things from a duality perspective. And obviously that's what I think will kind of bring us into uh, you being able to share a bit of your story too, but the whole overview method and your overview experience and, just the journey that you went down to kind of figure out some of these things. And I'm sure you're still on it right now, right? It's like maybe give people a little backstory on Nima. I don't know how yeah. far back you well, want to you go. Know but what? Like- I, I can sum it up really. You you can learn more about me if you want. But the, the, the real relevant point of it is that when an emotion would come up, I would go from zero to 100 in no time flat. Like I had no ability, even though afterwards I'm like, really, I can't let that get to me and I got to be controlled and I can't be so anxious. I was run by my anxiety and my reactivity. And for good reason, I was raised with parents. God love them. They're amazing human beings as far as human beings go. Loving. My mom's an amazing cook so loving externally and just don't know how to handle their fucking triggers. And so when they don't know how to handle their emotions, 
Okay. And this is what I learned to be, it's called enmeshment trauma. So I'm kind of defining what that is. Uh, and this is important in, in your story, in all of our stories, in relationships. Uh, this is what I realized is that because I had parents who didn't know how to handle their own emotions and their own anxieties, what happens when your children have big emotions and anxieties? If you don't know how to handle your emotions and anxieties, when your child has them, you then become reactive and you fall back and become the child. And the child becomes the thing to distract you from your own inner inner world, and you start obsessing over the inner world of the child. So it, my experience of life was that I, when I had big emotions, was judged for it, blamed for it, and shamed for it which I understand now to be parents that didn't know how to deal with their own emotions, but the the experience of having my reality denied, I didn't get physically abused. I mean, I got hit the, you know, there was no sexual trauma, anything like that. But trauma has many different colors. Trauma with a capital T, which I just described, but trauma with a small T was what I described, what I ex experienced. As a child, not having your emotions validated, not having your reality validated, and constantly having you gaslit for your emotions and denied and not having a say causes this deep sense of anger. First, first, like f sense of, 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 of hatred for the, for the self. Like I must not be a good person because every emotion that I'm having is inappropriate. And it, it must be because I'm being told uh, you have emotional issues, you have anger issues, you know, get, getting gaslit and then getting upset and then going, see, you're angry. And it's it just, it's this this feeling, this sense of no-win situation that happens to a child, which happened to me, that had me doubting myself, doubting my reality, and seeking my validation and uh, uh, a sense of um, worthiness by, by uh, performing, by achieving. See, look what I got. I'm good as long as I have this. I'm good. And so... Everyone has their own stories of trauma. Mine came from kind of like the silent type, right? And my form of it was, unless you perform at this level, unless you're happy all the time, as unless you put up this external kind of picture of goodness and we just kind of sweep all of the darkness underneath and don't talk about it because it's just not appropriate, you're not worthy of love. So I would show up in relationships this way. I became a chiropractor. I became a great dancer. I became really good at gaining attention because I didn't have it for myself because of the way that I was raised wasn't, wasn't fed a, a way that a child would feel uh, security within themselves just for being themselves. It would be only a sense of security if I achieved, which would only come momentarily. I got my degree, I, you know, made a million bucks. I got the car, I got the whatever, and I'd get that hit of success. But then I would always fall back into why does that empty pit of, of uh, it doesn't go away. And I, and I didn't know why. And so I turned to personal development and tried to think my way out of it. And I realized that, oh my gosh, like... All of the work that I'm doing, all of the anxiety that I'm having, all of the like striving and achieving is not really for 
you know, it's for helping people. Yeah, of course, I love when people say my headaches are gone or you've changed my life. Thank you, thank you, thank you. But what I was not acknowledging at the time was that a big part of it was this this little boy who didn't have his reality validated, his preferences, his choices, his values, with parents that just couldn't understand. And so this constant need for approval, but resentment towards authority figures, and this these parts of me were at war with one another, and it would show up in my relationships as not being able to commit, needing lots of women to validate me, not just one. I can't just be okay with one. And so at some point I had to wake up to the fact that the wounded part of me was the one driving the bus, was literally driving the bus. This ego was driving, that was trying to protect that wounded part of me, was literally driving the bus. And until it all blew up in my face, kind of a couple, like a month or so actually after I met you, it literally blew up in my face. And I had to not work. I had to pause and not work and go into healing that. Uh, this is where you and I started to become you know, friends and I worked in your office and I had to rebuild my business from the ground up that I created a new kind of uh, reality of, oh, okay, I went upstream, which was my relationships weren't working because I didn't actually truly love myself. And I realized that I had an intimacy disorder as a result of this. And, into, and I realized, oh my gosh, most people have an intimacy disorder. Intimacy disorder within themselves. They don't know how to feel their emotions. They don't know how to acknowledge their own pain. They've been running away from it so long and it fucks up all their relationships. So I discovered if you're in relationship limbo, you don't know whether you should stay or you should go, which is how I lived for many years with Amanda, you can heal all of that by going inside and getting aligned with that younger part of yourself and healing from the enmeshment trauma and breaking the cycles of intergenerational trauma. So now what I'm doing is I help break cycles of intergenerational trauma that didn't start with your parents either. They were just at the effect of it and had to kind of kind of concede to the fact that they probably will never get it and that it's not my job to fix them. Uh, because they they will still to this day they have an intolerance for me having any emotion, uh, and so I became so the work was to become trigger proof. I moved back in with my parents when you and I started kind of working together, and crazy right. And then I realized and I worked on finally getting to the place where I no longer needed them to understand me. I realized everything that I was doing was to try to get my dad to understand me. And then when the second that I realized that that day was never going to come, slowly he started to understand me more. It was really weird. And still we have our challenges. Still they don't have a great tolerance for me having any emotions, you know, that they still are, are, you know, uh, but there's a deep sense of security in my relationship with all family members, my tribe. I now since got married, I have a seven month old son at the recording of this. All of these blessings that came into my life after I stopped trying to be successful and started working on healing with those younger parts of myself. So this is what I now share with with entrepreneurs, professionals um, who are going through the exact same thing. You're not alone. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. And obviously, you know, we've kind of alluded to it a few times already that we 
we I think we met in a very purposeful way at a, a specific time in our lives. Both you know, of like us. just everything about it. You know, you were you were there to support us through the journey that we went through. And I think it was, you know, a bit of vice versa too, right? Like without there was a doubt. Element. Both you and Shar were were there for me at a time where, you know, in that pit I was in as well, um, just working on healing myself. You reached out and said, hey, could you help us? And I was like, sure. So we started hanging out. And uh, I just, I'm so grateful for you guys. I love you and Shar. And like, we just got family photos, by the way. Um, And and let me just share this with you. This, uh, But it's a photograph of me and my seven-month-old son. We had family photos taken for our one-year anniversary. And the hat Dominic is wearing is the one that Char gave uh, as a oh, gift. Really? Uh, like she gave us some of some of your uh, Bodhi and um, yeah and Logan's, you know the hand me downs. The hand me downs. Yeah. They're yeah. wearing Bodhi and Logan's hat. Dominic is wearing <laughs> Bodhi and Logan's hat. So that's I just awesome. wanted to share that with you. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. So the uh, obviously the um, you know some of the biggest takeaways I take from that was that you. I think, and obviously there was many moments along your life, but specifically when we met, there was a, a moment where you had to step back and really see that you needed to lean in and do the work. And and it was uncomfortable and it was something that you had to face with you know a certain amount of courage like we were talking about before. And I've seen a different Nima come out in the last like three years, right? And and obviously, I'm sure there's there's still days and moments where there's there's things that you think about that maybe you should be leaning into more or whatever. But you know, let's maybe go back to that time and and you know, as much as you're comfortable in talking about that, kind of shaped your beliefs and shifted things for you to really embracing the trigger proof methodology of how you're now serving other people. Do you want to maybe dive a little deeper into that and that time and just kind of go? Yeah, I realized here's what here. Over the last three years, what I learned from that period of time when I stopped working and started like going inside, what I realized was that the personal development that I was doing to try to kind of give me a sense of confidence and self that was lost because of parents that invalidated me, that my experience with parents that I felt were invalidating to me. I realized that the personal development that I was doing was a distraction from those feelings, was to try to not have me feel those things. And those feelings, though that wounded child is in my shadow. What what I realize is those feelings don't go away. They get locked up and hidden in our shadows. So if you have an experience as a child where you were hurt, where you didn't feel seen, it's a very painful experience to go through as a young child. And to, if you have parents that don't teach you what to do with your emotions, the only way that you know how to move forward is to bottle them up, which is what most men do, right? Yeah. Because yep. that's what most men do and women do it too. But men are notorious for this. And so we hide from those feelings with success. We hide from those feelings with external validation of, of whatever sort. All as a compensation for that wound to not have to feel it. The hardest thing for me about this was to not distract myself with the usual ways that I would get that validation. Women, money, and clients telling me how amazing I was. I mean, that's why I got into a car. Why do you think I became a chiropractor? 
because it was the quickest way because becoming a medical doctor, you don't hear as often, wow, you're magic. Oh, you're my hero. Wow. Like how many times would they hear you're, you're like a God. My fucking ego loved it. You're like magic hands. You know, I couldn't get that in medicine. You know, I did it in, in chiropractic. That was what drove me. Right. And so the hardest part, when I realized when this was happening, I realized something. I was like, I have to stop using those things to not feel this insignificance. So I did the hardest thing was I get, I put myself in a place where I actually knowingly, willingly felt the pain of my own insignificance, the pain of my own irrelevance, the pain of my own unworthiness, the pain of my own like dismissal, like this person is nobody uh, because I defined my identity based on all of this Dr. Nima persona that I created. I'm a rap. I, I rap in my, my talks. I entertain. I salsa dance. I have like 10 or eight, eight to 10 different tools in my toolbox to get your attention and to make you love me. <laughs> and I'll just share quickly. Nima shared this video from 2012, which was obviously at a time, I know you were producing a lot of content back then and it was very entertaining, right? Like this one was incredible. Like the makeup work on you being the guru and talking to yourself. and But the message was very similar to what you're talking about now. And it was it just, exactly what I needed. <laughs> yeah, it just it just feels like you're you're living it now. Like you actually are being it as opposed to maybe back then you were like, how can I create something that gets the attention that like, mm -hmm. right? There was a different mm -hmm. intention to it. Exactly. And that's been the big shift in the last three years is that um, now it's, there's a difference between a leader who's, you know, clearly just posting so that they can kind of seem like they're doing it. And then somebody who's busy doing it. Like it's, it, there's a difference. It's like, look at me, everybody. I'm going to show you how to be confident here. Look at me. I'm so confident. I'm telling you how confident I am. Versus I'm not talking about how confident I am. I'm busy helping you with something. In the beingness of helping you, confidence is just a byproduct of it. So I realized that three years ago, what was missing in my life was that I wasn't living the, the identity that I was trying to put on this Dr. Nima identity. I realized that I wanted to take on a whole new identity. And the whole new identity that I was looking towards uh, embodying, not just talking about, was a humble servant leader, right? Now, humble, I could work on being a little more humble, <laughs> but I truly feel that I'm serving and I'm leading by example now. And the, 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 the evidence that I have is by the way that my wife looks at me. Mm. right? Not because I'm doing anything for her or whatever. It's just, and the way that my son looks at me and smiles when he just looks at me, when he sees me after I haven't seen him in a while, boom, bursts into smile. That to me is evidence that I'm actually living it. I'm not talking about it. And so uh, that's been the, the, the difference. And now my messaging is all about, hey, here's how you create a secure relationship. And here's why insecure relationships happen, because here's where my insecurity came from. Yeah, it comes back to, I actually have a, I've got a few sticky notes on my computer now. I kind of chopped them off and stuck them on there as reminders to me. And one of them is be accountable to your greatest self, 
just that simple, you know, which is like when nobody else is looking, do the, do the right thing that you know is the thing that you need to be doing, right? Yeah. And, do you want another sticky note? Yeah, Are you ready? throw it at me, man. Gra- here it is. If you're wanting to make a decision is what would a person who truly loves themselves do in this moment? Mm. A person who completely, absolutely, unconditionally loves themselves, what would they do in this moment? That one's your next sticky note, my friend. It's a good one. I love it. And, you know, a lot of it, I think the biggest thing that comes up for me is whenever I hear stuff like that, it always lands and you're like, mm, yeah, yeah. And then there's a part of me that defaults to like, yeah, yeah, sounds good. But you know what? I'm busy and I got to do this and I got to do that. And I'm like, I'm trying to orchestrate everything and control it. Right. And that's been a big part of my journey as well as this idea that I've always thought that I can control it and that there is some elements of, um, you know, that I can create absolutely everything in my future and knowing that sometimes just shit happens in life. And it's about being able to embrace these things that you didn't see coming, but now are a part of your journey, whether you like it or not, you know, and in this moment, what would a self-loving individual do in this moment? It's a really good guidance. It's a really good guideline guidepost for me. And if there's anybody that's watching and listening to this that can relate to what I was saying and even what Nima's been describing about his background of like just, you know, go, go, go and, and entertaining and creating and all these things, one of the biggest takeaways is just slow down, you know, slow down, take a moment. This is where, you know, <laughs> I still laugh because the first event that I went to that Nima hosted in Vancouver, Shar and I both went to it, we started with a meditation. Do you remember this? Yep. And it, it was in a room that's, um, it wasn't a closed off room. So there was windows to the outside and that type of thing. And I remember at the end of it, even saying to you, I was like, yeah, meditation's not for me. I, I can't do this. Like, it's just too many distractions. I just like, it's, it's a waste of time, you know? And I don't think that way anymore, Nima, just so you know, like, but at the same time, it's still there. It's still there inside of me. There's still a part of me that has trouble turning, turning the world off. That has Who trouble. Doesn't? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, looking inward, right? Yeah, totally. And that part of us is the younger part of us that felt like they couldn't relax. They had to do, do, do or to be safe. And it's a journey to unfuck that part of us because that part of us is a trauma response. It's very much alive in most entrepreneurs, which is I can't take my foot off the gas. Otherwise, it's all going to be taken away from me. So I got to keep going, keep going, keep going. I can't turn this off. I can't enjoy. I can't enjoy this moment. There's no way I'm giving myself any permission to take off and enjoy this moment because it's all going to be taken away from me. I can't enjoy this moment with my family. It's all going to be taken away from me. So I'm just going to keep hustling and then eventually the whole family will be taken away from you. (laughs) You know what I mean? So giving yourself permission to just hit the pause button and be with this discomfort of, oh my gosh, I can't stop thinking about this, 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 and really learning how to stretch the gap between that stimulus and how you respond to it so that you can then feel a sense of calm and be co-creating your day rather than chasing after life realizing that life is moving through you 
that's the shift that happened to me that completely shifted my business. It was like I was chasing after business, chasing after life. Like it's this thing outside of me, but what's different and why I'm so much more grounded now is through these practices of becoming trigger proof. I was like, holy fuck, I don't have to chase after life. I am life itself life moves through me and I'm able to enjoy it and I'm a co-creator and I don't have to chase. It's coming to me. It's been a huge shift. And now, you know, as far as the money that I used to chase, I don't chase after it anymore. It's chasing after me. Clients, I don't chase after anymore. I just put out content as answering questions and serving and being that hollow read. And literally my inbox is like, I want to work with you. I want to work with you. I'm like, ah, you hit pay dirt when it truly doesn't matter when you're actually living and being it. That's the biggest, that's the biggest shift for entrepreneurs that it takes a couple of years to go from chasing after and trying to manifest to living what you're teaching. When you're living what you're teaching, you're not having to chase. You're just trusting. It just comes to you. The thought just came to my mind here too about the, our ability to receive the feedback and receive the, the, the positive positivity and the things that are coming to us too. I know I'm in a, a, a Monday men's group as well that we do every Monday, uh, Monday evenings. And it's just a space for people to be able to share. And the guy that leads it, I'm not sure if you know, do you know Nick Wood? No, I don't. Do you know Die Emanuel? Yes, I know Die. Vancouver. Guys, I know Die right? Emanuel. Yeah. It's, yeah. He's so, like the moose, right? I was in, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I was in his, when I did CrossFit, like he was in, you know, when I used to do CrossFit. He was in my group. He was in, I, I was like, this guy's a beast. So yeah. he has, a, he runs a men's group now. Yeah. So I did a TEDx talk recently, just talking about vulnerability and um, his good friend and, and partner in this, his name's Nick Wood, where this is related to what we were just talking about is um, he's got a certain presence to him. I've only been on two calls, but I actually acknowledged him for it and said, you know what? I just have to acknowledge you for your presence and the space that you're holding for people. And he actually took a second to say, I received that. And I said, that's why right there. I said, you, you just showed me why that is because most people, including me, like I just tried to call myself out. Yeah. It's just deflected. Yeah. 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 No, I know I'm a nice guy. I get it. But like, I, I gotta be doing this and I need more followers than I need. You know what I mean? There's this con this constant sense of I'm not deserving. I'm not, I'm not deserving. Yeah. And it's such a simple concept, but yet when we become consciously aware of it, like hopefully somebody watching this even might be able to go, oh, that's me. That's me, right? And then be, and then just dive a little deeper and check out a video and join some, you know, Monday men's group where you can just show up and express what you're going through. Or, and I know you do a lot of this stuff, right? Oh, you yeah. Got your this Facebook is part group of my, and, yeah, this is part of my, my trainings with my, my tribe, uh, Intimacy Upgrade or Intimacy Accelerator, where I really go into deep shadow work, which is integrating those wounded shadowy parts that keep us in our heads, out of our bodies, and not present. So this presence you're talking about can only happen when you're integrating those darker parts of yourself. Because you're not running away from parts of yourself. You're actually okay with those parts of yourself so you can be present. 
But that's why we can't be present as an entrepreneur because we're trying to run away from that that poor little Saskatchewan boy who, you know, or was beat up in hockey or whatever it is that you story that you have that oh, that's yeah, unconscious that's unconsciously driving your entrepreneurial pursuit. Cuz every entrepreneur has to go through that period where you start off with this dream and you go and hustle and you're driven by the fuel of fear. Yep. Right? And you don't yep. know and then you don't realize it until you start getting into relationships and having that mirrored back to you and you don't want to hear it that, that what they're what they're all complaining about is we don't feel your presence. Mm. And you're like, stop criticizing me just like my mom and dad did. Can't you see what I'm doing? Da, 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 da. We become narcissists and we think we're being attacked. What they're saying is you're not present. In other words, you're not in your body. You're in your head trying to ac account and trying to compensate for those wounds. We see it. So your family members see your shadows, but you don't until you pause and integrate them. And instantly you become present. There's a difference in, there's like a third dimension. You feel it. You get to feel that in the, in the body. And, and, and now just when I do my Facebook lives, I just enrolled a client. I'm like, oh, cool. She's, I'm like, so what is it? You know, she goes, I just, it's your presence. It's like, I can feel that you're there. I'm like, you know, the work works. It's when you, when you're actually, it's in your body. You know what I mean? It's like a wrist shot. Okay. If I, if I give you a stick and I put you on ice, you're going to do a wrist shot. You're going to be able to do that because you've done it a million times. You've done a wrister into the top corner. You've practiced that. So it's in your body. And when I watch you do it, I'll be like, oh yeah, this guy's a hockey player. You don't have to say, Hey, I've been playing hockey for a long time and I play. All you do is do a wrist shot and I'll be like, oh, fuck, this guy's a hockey player. That's the difference between having the, the teaching, the work land in your body and you just talk about it. That's the difference. I'll give you one more hockey analogy and then I got a, I got a lightning round of questions here for you, Nima, and then we'll wrap it up. But the, the idea of conflict, like the story that I had growing up, um, and it wasn't until I was about 13 or 14, but at that time I was like almost the same size as I am now, dude. I was like six feet tall and like, oh, well, I was a lot skinnier then, but like 180 pounds, you know? And at that time, when you're that size and you're playing hockey, you're being told by scouts, like people that are looking to draft people into the NHL, Hey, you got to play a little tougher. Uh, you you got to be a little angrier out there. I want to see you be mean, you know? And therefore, and, and this is what I common, like always associated is like whenever I saw conflict or if I saw pushback or any kind of negative comments coming towards me, my instant reaction was fight. Oh, yeah. Literally fight, you know? Like obviously I wasn't fighting people through the comment feeds on a Facebook post, but, but that's what comes I up. I felt it though, you know? That teenage kid that was told to be more of a goon. That came up. Yeah. And that yeah. lives in your body, Trevor. Okay. And it's not going to be like talking to a therapist doesn't remove that little guy. Talking to a therapist, going to counseling, talking about it. Okay. That's fine. That's better than keeping it silent. I'm not going to say that that's, you know, but that's incomplete. You know what I mean? Because it's in your body. It's it, the best analogy for that is like, you have to unlearn that. It take the work, the deep inner work is unlearning that pattern. It's kind of like, um, you know, Diana, my wife uh, played a lot of years of badminton, 
never played tennis. So last year, uh, while she was pregnant, we were just trying to figure out some stuff to do to stay active. Hey, there's a tennis court close by. Let's go play some tennis. So we grabbed some rackets, some balls, and I just said, all right, so here's the difference. Tennis and badminton seems like racket sports. Same thing, right? No, it's not the same thing. In badminton, it's all wrist. In tennis, you can't use your wrist the same. You have to use your body and you have to use your arm. You can't use your wrist. She goes, okay, I got it. So what do you think happened as soon as the ball landed in her court and she was about to hit it? Wrist. (laughs) Over the fence, onto the street. In that hour, I probably went out into the street (laughs) about 13 times. And each time I came back and said, babe, no wrist. So I was talking to her to say no wrist, but in her body was wrist. So this reactivity that you're going through, talk therapy, anger management course does not even come close to touching it while it's happening in the moment. And so that was my biggest challenge. And so what I learned to do and the overview experience, which is my uh, f- signature event, is to take now, it's now a virtual five-hour event. You should check it out. Like it, it, it's gotten like it's gotten crazy different since thanks to COVID. And we had to take those live events and three-day live event, I put it into a five-hour event. What we do is we take your trigger and in five hours widen the gap of that trigger and turn it into healing parts of yourself so that now when the stimulus comes, you don't go back to flicking the wrist. You're now learning with time and practice how to make a different shot that's a different reality. You're no longer playing badminton anymore. You're you're an entrepreneur. You're not a little hockey player now. You're a tennis player now. And you don't have to go back to your old pattern of flicking your wrist. And so this is what I do in a nutshell, if I could describe what it is that I do. Yeah, and I recommend anybody to check it out. And in fact, Shar and I were talking about it, about it the other day, and she said, I feel like I should do the overview experience again. I was like, yes, and we 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 should, you know, maybe we do it independently this time or go join together. But the work never ends too, right? And it's... Every level up brings the devil up. Yeah, Every time you level up to a new transition, let's say you go, you, you sell a business and you start a new one. Let's say you have a new child. Let's say you, you know, you buy a new house. These are all levels up of transition and the gap between your old self and the new self will bring up these old wounds. And so without the tools and without talking through them and working through them, then those old wounds take over and they hinder your ability to leap up to the next level. Yeah, it's always, I think most people can probably relate to it. It's anytime you're going down a path of something new, you've never experienced it before. And there's that fear of like doing it wrong or failing. And in some cases, you know, failing in the real world could be catastrophic, right? Like if you're bungee jumping or if you're whatever, some type of extreme sport and you fail, you could die, right? And therefore we go back to that thought process of like, I might die. If I if I say the wrong thing, it's like me with this podcast, right? There's still an element, even though like, you know, I've been doing this for yeah, 10 years. I've, but still, I what if people- Thousands of videos out what online, What if I right? get haters? Oh no. Right? I and can't love myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it still comes up for sure. And um, 
there's a phrase obviously that kind of summarizes it really well. And I know Brene Brown talks about it in that Netflix special is the story I'm telling myself is, you know, and she talks about how her and her husband actually communicate that way now. Right. Because she used a great analogy of her and her husband swimming across a lake and I remember that. her stopping halfway. And he was saying, having a panic attack. Yeah, yeah. She had no idea what was going through his head. And it, and it turned out they were complete, like they had no idea what each one of them was thinking. But the story they were telling themselves for her, it was like, I'm not good enough. I'm not sexy enough anymore. For him, it was, I'm not man enough. Like, it was really interesting to hear that stuff because I could see, you know, past both arguments between me and Shar, as well as moments where we've been able to talk through those things without conflict, right? Yeah. Or with healthy conflict, yeah. when you phrase it that with, way. It's with healthy con- conflict. With, with conflict not going, like, having to have the police be involved. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's the difference between a conflict being neutralized in, you know, a couple of hours versus needing to call the police. There is a lot of work to be done to make sure you're, you know, behind door number one. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. That's what I love teaching because I needed it the most. Well, and that's why I wanted to share you with my network. And obviously, we'll um, we'll share more things as we go. Because like we say... We should do this again. Yes. Absolutely, we'll again. man. Absolutely. So you got like 10 more minutes here. I'll, I got sure. Let's do the it. power of one lightning round here. So feel free to answer these quickly or as long as you want. There's no criteria on any of it. Bring it. All right. So here we go. So... Who is the one person or mentor that you feel has been the most influential in your life all time? All time, John Martini, without a doubt. First of all, the way that he changed my life, I was 21 years old when I first heard him speak. I was in my first year of chiropractic school. He blew my mind and moved me to tears. And I woke up and I kind of got up and I turned to my friend next to me. And I said, I want to do what he's doing. I, was, I hadn't even started becoming a chiropractor. I want to do what he's doing. Fast forward 23 years, I did all of his courses and programs. I was one of his disciples as a chiropractor. He was kind of like my mentor and helped me. And uh, I end up 23 years after that day when I turned to Yvette and said, I want to do what he's doing. I shared the stage with him in Paris, France in 2019, two years ago from from, from now. And uh, I uh, I was one of the speakers. And then I got to introduce him and shared that story. So that was the way it came around full circle. And now his disciples are now becoming my clients because of the work that I've, uh, I've been able to advance on his work, kind of like um, Carl Jung was Freud's student, but went off into his own thing. I've taken John's work and added kind of the, 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 the somatic part of it uh, that's been deeply missing. And um, I have nothing but mad love for, for, for John for, for setting me on this path. Awesome. Who would you say is the one person or mentor that is most influential in your life right now? Right now, uh, Russell Kennedy, I would say, because of his, um, I don't know, we've just become really good friends. Uh, his ability uh, to uh, read into me, into people, uh, what he's taught me about somatic work and healing childhood wounds. And now we have a kind of a, a I would say clubhouse room every week show called Manxiety. 
together. Uh, you okay. find it pretty interesting where I've just learned a lot from him and I've taught him as well. So he's a mentor and a, and a friend, uh, but we're mentoring each other. So it's a, he's probably the most inf- influential in my life right now. Awesome. I'll link all these up, of course, too. Uh, what is the one thing you're most excited about right now? personal or business being a dad and watching my mm. son uh he's growing his first tooth second oh, tooth yes. is on Those his are way fun days <laughs> yeah exactly second i'm most excited about um just being a dad and i get most excited when i have my group trainings with my tribe with my community who are so hungry to learn how to create secure relationships i look forward to my calls. It's like, I'm, oh my God, I can't wait to share this with people. Those are the two things that get me the most excited is when I get to talk into this camera and teach what's what I've just gone through uh, and hanging out with my son and wife. Neither one of us were, well, I guess I was already a dad, but only a year in when we first met. So definitely changes who you are and how you show up. Uh, what is one piece of advice you you would give me that would dramatically change my life today? Oh man. Stop judging your feelings. Stop making your feelings wrong. Validate every feeling that comes up. And your life, your relationship with the universe will completely change. This was a big one for me. I never had the experience growing up that my feelings, my anger, whatever, when I got angry, I didn't have a mother that knew how to be understanding of my anger. I had my anger defended, judged. I, I wasn't allowed to have emotions. If I had emotions, then I was I had a mental disorder. Can you imagine? That's why I teach this. There, this comes from the pain of a little boy whose emotions were gaslit ever since he was a kid to the point where my mom still to this day believes that I should be medicated for attention deficit. Do you know what I mean? And so imagine, in other words, so the impact of that is that I just withdraw because, or or hide my emotions because of a lack of emotional safety that I have with them, which then translated to a lack of emotional safety within myself. So I had to unfuck all of that by constantly giving permission for whatever feeling that came up. It's okay to be angry, Nima. It's okay to feel ashamed. It's okay to have guilt. It's okay to not want to speak right now. It's okay to not be okay. That is the first moment where an opening happens for transformation. But whatever I, whatever you resist persists. If you resist your anger, it persists. If you resist your shame, it persists. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to be, you know, sad. It's okay to have sadness, right? That's the be- the most... This is kind of like the foundational. If you start in my, you know, working with us, it's kind of like ground zero because you're going to forget this tomorrow, even though you can resonate with what I'm saying. Tomorrow, you're going to go back to invalidating your emotions. Of course. Because it's it's your badminton. Uh, it, it's, it's your the reaction. It's the reaction. It's a natural thing. It's I've been doing it for memory we go back to. It's your muscle memory. So I've been doing it for so many years. That's why it takes time to unlearn all of these habits. and. What happens is a really interesting thing happens. Two really interesting th- things happen when you give yourself permission to have your emotions. Number one, you when you allow your negative emotions to come up, you can also have 
joyful emotions come up and you won't have to judge those and go, oh, it's going to be taken away. You're like, I can feel joy too. It's okay to feel a sense of calm too. Like I can give myself permission to be happy. I wasn't giving that either. Neither are most entrepreneurs, right? And then the next, the next miracle happens when you do this is that other people around you can have their emotions too and that you don't bring yourself into it and make it mean something about you. You give other people the safety to have their emotions without making it about you. Right. Love it. Three more quick ones here. So the frame of uh, this show again, and and one of the you know things that I say uh, at the end of every one of my shows is be grateful, be curious, and be brave. So what is one thing you're most grateful for right now? I'm grateful for my 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 family, my wife and my son. I'm grateful for uh, the work that I did in, and who I became in order to attract and co-create a family life like I have. Yeah. That's what I'm grateful for. Amazing. What is the one thing you're most curious about right now? Looking to learn more about? Curious about creating and maintaining secure relationships. I'm a student of this. That's why I love teaching. The work never ends. The work never ends. Through every conflict, through every trigger, I'm curious about how to take that and turn it into fuel for my own growth and my own self-love and how to have a bigger heart, a bigger, more open heart as a result, rather than becoming bitter and closing down. How do, how do I open through each conflict and through each trigger? That's what I'm curious about. Last question, Nima. What is the one thing that scares you right now that you know you must face with bravery? Good question. Uh, getting complete with my last relationship and how sharing my journey is going to bring up some people's uh, resistance of that, of, of my past relationship uh, that was relatively, I mean, I wasn't, I didn't have that many followers or people knowing about it, but I had a community that understood that it was a really toxic relationship. And so having to um, face the scrutiny of past relationship stories. Um, but it's going to be part of my journey and I'm going to write about it. And, um, and it scares me. Perfect. <laughs> no, I, I, thank you so much. I just want to end it with that. Of, I just want to acknowledge you, man, for who you are and the person that you um, the, the person that shows up every single day to, to do this work and, and knows that there are still things that you, that you get to even face yourself. And, and when you do, it serves other people too. And, you know, Shar and I are both eternally grateful to you because of who you are and what you, um, you know, the, the story that we hold to how, who you were as a part of our life Thank in you. our own journey. Thanks. And, and as it continues on here yeah, too, man. you know, like we're going to hang awesome, out man. this we're summer. Gonna be, Hey, we're gonna have we're gonna be dads together. Yeah. You know? When when we can actually get together again, we got the hot tub now in yes, West. Yes, I'm bringing Dominic. We got the fire pit. I'm ready. Don't worry. I'm all ready. We got our trip to Kelowna planned. Don't worry about it, brother. Caleb is even Caleb, who I've been working with for the last year, who you met. He's now moved to Kelowna as well. So we'll all hang out. Yeah, he just pinged me on Thursday. Actually, he was like, "Hey, I'm tur- I'm turning down Pandozi right now year round and." I wasn't in the office that yeah, day. Unfortunately, he's a but. great, oh, great guy, and uh, it's been amazing. You guys should 
really ch- talk about relationships. Uh, the, the, the two of you guys have a very interesting, uh, you know, overlap there. So I can't we'll wait to come hang together. out with all of you this summer. Awesome. Well, the invitation is open. So where can people find out more about Dr. Nima and connect with you online? Other than my website, drnima.com, the best uh, place is to join my free Facebook group. And when you enter your email into the Facebook group, you get a uh, 90-minute training that normally is 97 bucks on my website. You get it for free with a promo code in your email that basically walks you through the steps that we take our clients to becoming trigger proof. Now you can do this on your own. You don't have to, you know, do it with us, but if you feel inspired and you want an amazing community and want to be part of this conversation and learn how to become more vulnerable, like literally everything uh you saying about um Brené Brown, I'm listening and I'm like, yeah, we literally te- it's like applied Brené Brown. We apply whatever she's teaching. It's not just something you read in a book. We get you to do it sharing vulnerably amongst the community after you kind of expose an attachment wound and then share it vulnerably. We're actually doing the work she talks about. Yeah. Well, I'll make sure to link that all up. And it's funny you say that actually, because when I got done that Brene Brown Netflix special, I, I remember because there's about two minutes at the end where they show people putting their jackets on and they're getting up and they're walking out of the room. And that was literally what went through my head last night, Nima. I was like, how many of these people are going to go home and be the same person that they were when they came into this event? And how many people are going to truly allow what she was saying to land and actually put it to action? And then naturally, that's that's the thought that went through my head is like, well, most people walk away and go, well, now what? What, like, what do I do? Do I be vulnerable by telling everybody my deepest darkest? darkest? And she even speaks about that in the in the special, right? She's like, look, vulnerability is not spilling everything that you have to share on Facebook. You know, we need a guide. We need a guide. guide. You need a guide to walk you through because it's not just a theory, but the future of our existence. It like revolves around your ability to heal those parts of you and share them because, you know, we don't want to be vulnerable. We don't want to share shameful shit because we still are ashamed. <laughs> so this is really the, the, the method to heal it. Uh, she talks about shame. She's a shame researcher. And I just uh, experienced, that's why I'm doing the same work as her, but I, uh, coming from a perspective of chiropractic, I was like, Look, these people are, are are having chronic problems because they're holding on to their shame. So I walk them through. It's not just like a theory. It's like uh, we walk you through actually getting that vulnerability. So that's what we love to do. Becoming trigger-proof. There you go. Become trigger-proof. Go check it out, everyone. Nima, my brother, my friend, I love you, man. Thank Big you so much you, for, for doing this. And we'll do it again soon. And we'll yes. see you soon. Yes. Absolutely. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Trevor Turnbull Show. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, please consider subscribing on my YouTube channel and on your favorite podcast platform and leave me a review. I'd love to hear from you. Now, until next time, remember, today is a beautiful day of opportunity. Trust that you're exactly where you're supposed to be right now. So be grateful, be curious, and be brave. 